All right, guys. Thanks so much uh, for tuning in. Welcome to another episode of Sauce of the Scary. Jeff Wright, Derek Zhu. Guess who's back? Back again. Derek's back. Jeff's with him. Guess who's back? 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 Sorry. Well done. Yeah. I think you. now we have to play, pay music licensing fees, but it was worth it. <laughs> I think I think I think parodies are above it. I think that's how Weird Al gets away with it so much. Uh, welcome to the podcast that discuss horror movies with the sincerity and hilarity that they deserve. Like I said, Jeff Wright, Derek Zoo, back with you here this week. Free, how are you doing? I'm doing well, man. It's good to hear from you too. I know that Dolly and Disease had you down, but I'm glad you yeah. picked out. Yeah, man. Um, I, I didn't have much of a voice at the beginning of this week, so I'm glad we. <laughs> Glad everything's back now. It's been a been a rough couple of weeks, but I'm good. Yeah, I hear you, man. These uh these holidays uh they just happen to fall the same time everybody gets sick. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I, I think I'm on the record being not the biggest fan of Christmas and just the fact that all my kids are on antibiotics or snot nosed or coughing or whatever. Uh, just heightens my disappointment with this time of year. Yeah, I'm in a holidays right now. Whoa, you know what I'm yeah, killing it. Absolutely killing it. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. We got a lot to catch up on uh, since we've been gone over the last few weeks. So we got a got a lot of trailers to talk about. Got a lot of horror report to get to. So uh, let's get into it, man. Let's get to everyone's favorite part of the show. Jeff hates trailers. And uh, Jeff, let's play catch up, man. There's a few things I want to talk to you about, um, but then there's also some stuff that we probably need to, to recap. Uh, this past week, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, the uh, teaser trailer for that came out. Oh, season two? Yeah, after season two. That's really quick. Yeah, man. It's going to be out in like April. No kidding. Yeah. We'll take that, Temple of Satan or whatever. Yeah, dude. Yeah, so um, so the the Christmas episode is going to be out next Friday on December the fourteenth, and then season two starts up, I believe, April the fifth. Yeah, wow. April the fifth, two thousand nineteen. So, um, yeah, man. So <laughs> we're coming for you, Easter. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's really strange. So we're gonna get yeah, we're gonna get season two of Sabrina before we get it chapter two. Yeah, and Stranger Things chapter three. Yeah. That's strange. Not to not to belabor the point, but I wonder why they have such a quick. Pa- it makes me wonder. Actually, did they shoot season two the same time they were shooting season one? They could have. You know, it may be one of those things where all of those uh, guys and gals are, um, you know, they're 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 aging. They're getting older, and it could just be one of those things where they wanted to try to strike while the iron's hot and get as much uh, get as much um, down digitally digitally that they could, uh, just to kind of keep them at the same age and the same pace and stuff. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Um, I mean, more power to them. Can I ask you this question, though? Yeah, absolutely. Are you going to watch season two? Uh, man, you know, I'm going to check out this um, Winter Solstice episode. Mm-hmm. But I I don't know if I've got enough in me for another 10 episodes of this thing. Yeah, I'm it, I'm definitely on the camp, in the camp that says you're going to have to earn my viewing back. The, the first one just wasn't good enough for me to... Like hitch my wagon to that series. Yeah, 
Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at too. It's like I I really enjoyed Sally Draper and thought she did a great job, but I wasn't happy with the way that it ended. Um, and obviously, I mean, you can go back and listen to the episode in our archives. Uh, should be the second to last episode there. But um, yeah, I'm with you, man. It would have to. It would really have to win me over in order for me to to stick around for the for the entire ten episodes of the next season. Yeah, I mean, I really the emotional break for me was what they did ripping off the Temple of Satan, and I don't I don't know that I can come back from that, Derek. Right. No, I understand. Uh, and and honestly, Jeff, I I feel like that was the breaking point for lots of us. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, it, it's it's one thing to to you know take a, a beloved '90s um, sitcom and turn it into a you know 2010 emo fest uh, Twilight looking um, uh, series, but it you know it's it's a whole entirely different thing to desecrate the uh, Satanic Temple. So, well said, sir. I mean, you got to treat important things with the importance that they deserve. And Amen. if this if this Netflix series can't do that, then I just don't have time for them. Amen. I I think we're on the same page. Uh, But, hey, I would love to hear what you guys have to think about this. So let us know. Uh, Of course, you can always join our Facebook group at We Saw Something Scary. And let us know whether you're on board for another 10 episodes of Sabrina starting April the 5th, which, honest to God, will be here tomorrow. No so, kidding. All right. So to go from Sabrina to <laughs> to this next one, I saw this trailer yesterday, and uh, it's for a movie called Breakthrough. Okay. And uh, so this is based on a true story. Uh, when he was 14, John Smith drowned in Lake St. Louis and was dead for nearly an hour. According to reports at the time, CPR was performed for 27 minutes to no avail. Then the young mother, excuse me, then the youth's mother, Joyce Smith, entered the room praying loudly. Suddenly there was a pulse and John came around. Has this been turned into a cheesy book to be sold in Christian marketplaces? I don't think so yet, but it, it, you definitely know it's going to be. Steph Curry is actually a producer on this show, on this movie. Oh, okay. I, then I know the one you're talking about. I, I had no understanding of what that movie was about mm-hmm. other than that Steph Curry had some movie coming out. So I'm coming I'm coming around to this one from the uh, from the other direction. Yeah, man. Listen to this all-star cast, and, and I mean that sincerely. Topher Grace plays Pastor Jason Noble. Uh, Chrissy Metz from This Is Us plays the mother, Joyce. Uh, Dennis Haysbert, Pedro Serrano, and uh, the president back on 24, he plays Dr. Garrett. Um, Josh Lucas plays uh, the husband, Brian Smith. So, I mean, this is a pretty, like, this isn't Kirk Cameron and friends. Like, this is actually a pretty decent cast. How dare you besmirch the good name of (laughs) Kirk Cameron, my friend. <laughs> ah, he doesn't internet. He doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I think I saw that in Fireplace. He destroyed his computer. <laughs> fireplace. I called it Fireplace. It was. It's not Fireplace. It's something else. It's that Prodigy fireproof. song, Firestarter. Fireproof. Fireproof. Thank you. Yes, it's fireproof. <laughs> Uh, he threw his computer in the fireplace in Fireproof. That's why you thought that. There we go. There we go. Yeah. So anyway, uh, this movie comes out April 17th of next year. Jeffrey, will you be there to see Breakthrough? Because you know Cookville's going to have it. Yeah. Um, odds are against it. If I'm shaking my, my magic crystal ball right now, I'm going to say odds are against it. Somebody up, may talk me into going because it's Steph Curry. Right. Like, even as like the resident evangelical pastor on this podcast, uh, these kind of movies and I don't don't often mesh. So you mean you're not, you're not going to take your flock 
to the Carmike Highland 12 for a group showing of breakthrough on a Wednesday night. Yes, I can definitely say that won't happen. <laughs> 100% that scenario is off the table. Oh, man. Well, uh, hey, will I go to Lifeway once they inevitably release the <laughs> prayer journal and study guide? Also, yeah. not happening. Okay. What if uh, what if you had the chance to win two tickets to see uh, the Warriors play? Would you go then? Yeah, for sure. Okay. I would definitely do it for that. That's fair. Just trying to track priorities, man. That's all I'm trying to do. Yeah. So, so all right. I'm, I'm out on that one, man. You, you tell me how it is, okay? You let me know how it is. <laughs> yeah, like I'm going to go see it. Um. Okay. Let's see. What else do I have here? Um. I think that's pretty much it as far as like the bigger stuff that I've. Oh nope. You know what? I've got another one. I'm sorry. Um. Disney's Artemis Fowl. Okay. So Artemis Fowl the second, a young Irish criminal mastermind, kidnaps the fairy Leprechaun. L E P is all in caps, so I don't know what that means. Maybe it's got um, leprosy. Perhaps. Uh Leprechaun officer Holly Short for ransom to fund the search of his missing father in order to restore the family fortune. Uh this looks like it's gonna be it looks like it's it's a live action movie, but anyway. Does Artemis Fowl get your uh, get you excited for anything? I gotta confess, no on this one as well. Okay. Um, that's a pretty popular book series, right? I believe so. Yeah. Um, I I have a strange relationship with fantasy uh, as a genre. Mm-hmm. I, I've never been compelled enough by Harry Potter to read the books. You know, cue people who have better taste than me screaming. You know, <laughs> um, I don't often like going into the woods to see what the door are doing. Having said that, the Lord of the Rings uh, series is some of the best stuff I've ever read. I love those books. I love the Chronicles of Narnia, which has heavy fantastical elements. Some people would say Star Wars is space fantasy. Okay, cool. I love that too. But when it's <laughs> magic users with wands and I don't know. Uh, again, what the dwarves are up to. That's just, it's really hard for me to get engaged with that stuff. So probably yeah. going to pass on Artemis Fowl too. Although okay. having said that, I'll, I'm more likely to go see Artemis Fowl than, you know, the latest movie about somebody coming back from heaven. Right. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. Um, for those of you who are interested in this movie, I let's see. There's pretty good cast in here. Josh Gad, uh, Judy Dench. Um, Tamara Smart, Simone Kirby. So we actually know. I didn't realize Judy Dench is in that. My wife's a big Judy Dench fan. Mm-hmm. That may end up making a liar out of me. I may go, but if I do, it'll be as, uh, as a loving screaming. well as a loving husband rather than someone who's you know interested in the movie itself. Sure, and it, uh, it's directed by Kenneth Branagh. So yeah, okay. I don't know if that uh, if that does anything for you or not, but Kenneth Branagh directed um, the first Thor movie and has directed several several other movies as well. So, so there's your, there's your taste of that. Hey man, did you check out the Lion King trailer, the teaser trailer for the Lion King, the live action? Or I, I, I guess live action is the way to put it. I don't know. It's all CGI, but they look human. So the only part of that I checked out, which again, this is, you know, there's the weight of predestination on me seeing that movie because I have children. Right. But uh, the only thing I've seen from that is too many people on social media holding up their house cat like he's baby Simba. And <laughs> let me just tell you, that is not a uh, that's not a strong advertisement to move Mr. Jeff Wright to want to see that movie. But more power to him. So, so are you saying that you're not going to go see this Lion King movie in theaters? Oh, I'm definitely going to, but oh, okay. it's because my children. Oh, if uh, if it if it weren't for my kids, I probably wouldn't. I mean, I love. 
Disney animated movies. Mm-hmm. Aladdin, Lion King are up there on my short list of best animated movies ever. But this spate of like live action remakes has just, it just strikes me as like, why was this necessary? Yeah. And in some ways, you mentioned Josh Gad uh, on the uh, the previous movie. Mm-hmm. Like they get really talented people that I enjoy watching to, to do these movies. But I still kind of feel like it's painting a mustache on the Mona Lisa. Mona Lisa. Like, I, I just don't need them to, I don't know, I don't need them to mess with perfection. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can agree with you on that. Um, having said that, though, I will definitely watch it when it comes out. Like, I'll take your kids if you want me to. Okay. So you're you're fired up for it. Yeah, yeah. The Lion King's my favorite Disney movie. Okay. Um, and so... I, I, yeah, I'll be there. I, I mean, I I probably won't be there opening night or opening day, but I'll be there as soon as I possibly can be. Okay. Okay. Well, you you can let me know on that, and maybe it is time for Uncle Derek to take some Screaming Rock kids to the movies. That that that'll get you ready for your future fatherhood, or convince you that your future fatherhood's never happening. Right. Um. I I'm in that I'm in that second category, and that'll probably be the thing that like you know like is the thing that seals the deal. But uh, yeah, man, I'll I'll definitely be happy to take the right kids. They like me anyway. So hey good. guys, he's on the record. So when I'm holding him to this, uh, you will all be, <laughs> all you listeners will be called in to testify on my behalf <laughs> in the sure to, sure to be forthcoming lawsuit. When Jeff takes me to small claims court for not taking his kids to go see the Lion King. <laughs> small claims court for you failing to take the small rights to the movies like you said you would. <laughs> Uh, you owe me a year's worth of movie pass, and <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy to give you a year's worth of movie pass. Would you like a year's worth of Edsel cars <laughs> or Betamax tapes? <laughs> Poor movie pass, man. It's just the slowest circling of the drain that's ever been seen. No, I'm telling you, man, it's terrible. <laughs> It's good while it lasted. Yeah. Pour out a little sure. for movie pass because you, yeah. you got me into some movies. Hey, man, I got to watch Winnie the Pooh for free off that movie pass, so I was happy. Yeah, you did. I think that maybe not being able to get into that movie is the one that made me cancel. Yeah. I forget I forget which one it was, but I just remember that I, I, I looked to see if it was on, and they were showing it, and it was the showing that I wanted to go to, and then I drove to the theater, and somehow in between the 10-minute the drive, they changed their minds and said, oh, we're not using this one anymore. And I was like, well, screw you, movie pass. We're done. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's a there's a great retrospective documentary to be told about the movie pass <laughs> experience some somewhere down the road. I have a feeling that uh, they're going to come to us with the thirty for thirty ESPN, and they're going to be like, "Hey, we, we need you to tell this story." Well, you know, in service to my fellow man. Well, you know, I'm willing to shoulder that burden. I agree. I'm all for it. So we'll see what we can do. All right. Last one, man, that we need to talk about this week. And I think I think I'm going to get some some uh, some fighting on this one, some bite back on this one. I'm excited about it. Ooh, uh, I'm titillated. Happy Death Day to you. Uh, of course, it's the sequel to the 2017 film Happy Death Day that we would not have reviewed had Allison not requested it. So thank you again, Allison, for that. Uh, it, we just have to anymore. I just have to say it every time. Otherwise, she brings it up on social media. <laughs> So, um, dude, I watched this trailer. I have no desire to watch this movie. Oh, no. Shots fired. Yeah. I, I saw it and I was like, oh, so we're just doing the exact same movie. Yeah. Why are we doing the exact same? Like, 
uh, yeah, it, it just, I was so disappointed in the trailer. I was so disappointed to, to, to realize that she's back. Like she's reliving the same day again. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, change my mind on this, Jeff, right? Where, where, what should I be looking forward to besides obviously the, the beautiful Jessica Roth being back on my, um, you know, on the big screen, what else should I be looking forward to on this? Well, you're not wrong in it being a little jarring seeing her come out of the male dorm again to like scream at the, the girl taking a petition to save the earth or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm not anxious to return to that either. This is kind of a shot in the dark, but here's where I'm hitching my expectations, okay? Okay. As you said, our good friend Allison encouraged us to watch that movie. Otherwise, we wouldn't have, and I found it a very pleasant surprise. Mm -hmm. So in a sort of Groundhog Day experience, this movie, had I not had the previous experience of liking the first movie, and as you already mentioned, really liking Tree and Jessica Roth, who, who played her, I probably wouldn't go watch this movie, Mm -hmm. but they have some capital built up with me in that they have shown already this creative team. They've shown already a capacity to uh, to present a movie that I didn't think I would like. And it ended up being one I like a lot. So I'm just going to push those chips in and go watch Happy Death Day and expect to be pleasantly surprised again. I think they've earned the benefit of the doubt. Okay, that's fair. Uh, I mean, I'll definitely go watch it. Um, but yeah, I was just I I was really looking forward to seeing the trailer. I was really you know I was really excited about the movie. You and I have talked about it several times on the show. And when I watched that trailer, I was like, oh, so we're just doing the exact same thing we were doing before. Fantastic. Yeah, there's also this sense that like. The mean girl who's the head of her sorority is going to be more involved. And the uh, bleach blonde kid who keeps busting into the room the morning after are going to be more heavily involved. Uh, I'm worried about them being there being enough there there for those characters to be interesting. Yeah. But to come full circle, they did make a sorority sister who looked to be pretty shallow, a, a more interesting character than I expected. So. I, I I join you in your trepidation, but I think I'll also join you in sitting down to see it opening weekend. Yeah. Yeah, it's too bad that I'll be back here at, at the Stampede when this thing comes out, because otherwise that would have made a perfect Valentine's Day date for you and me. Yeah, yeah, it would have. Dad gummit. Once again, Dolly Parton ruins everything good. That's true. <laughs> Man, you're, you're not kidding. Hey, did you see her on Jimmy Fallon the other night? Uh, I, I didn't. I've seen clips of it. I, I, um, I know that there's a very racy one that people are talking about, but I didn't see the, I didn't get to see the whole thing. I didn't see it either, but I just had very unexpectedly my Twitter feed fill up with people like Dolly's a national treasure, like just, you know, praising her over and over. And I just thought, well, maybe she's taking the Fred Rogers mantle or the Bob Ross mantle. Oh yeah. She may end up being our cultural touch point for like, oh, this is a good and wholesome and decent person in the public spotlight. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I definitely know that. I mean, you can't say anything bad about Dolly Parton uh, going up I forty. Did I tell you about reading the essay from the woman who criticized her for bringing for for bringing jobs that didn't pay as much as the departed manufacturing jobs to severe? No, no. Yeah, this got passed around to me. It was on Paste or Medium or something. This woman was going after Dolly for like she acknowledges in the piece. Yeah, basically the only reason Sevierville has jobs is because of Dolly Parton. Mm -hmm. But she didn't bring wages that are comparable to the manufacturing jobs that left Sevierville prior to Dolly bringing jobs back. So she low-key kind of sucks for that. And I was like, you've really got to be straining hard if this is the criticism in your take yeah. on Dolly Parton. Good Lord. 
People are dumb, man. Yeah, that you know, the internet's great to give lots of different people a voice who may not have gotten it through traditional means, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it also gives idiots the chance to broadcast their right. idiocy. Right. So anyway, hard sidebar on Dolly Parton can now come to an end. Thank you for letting me scratch that itch. Yeah, no, you're welcome. Dolly's amazing, and we all love her, and uh, I'll love her even more in about a month. <laughs> do they do they make you say that while they lash you during orientation? <laughs> I was actually lying to you earlier. Uh, we had to watch that uh, clip of her and Fallon on Fallon um, with her eyes uh, bolted open like in uh, Clockwork Orange. <laughs> Well, we should all be so lucky. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, felt like Alex, Alex Dorange or DeWitt or whatever his name is in that movie. So, But I can't I can't tell that to anybody, you know, outside. I've got to be like, oh, no, I'm sorry I missed it. But, like, I know every answer that she gave on anything. Well, thank goodness this conversation is entirely private and will never be heard by anyone. <laughs> right. I mean, thank goodness for that. Otherwise, I'd be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, and if and if this were Limetown, I would have just ripped my mic out. You could have been like Derek, Derek. That would have been great. Has that started back up yet? I guess it has, man. But I think it's on a pay system now. Oh no! Yeah, does Sparta um, residents get comped? <laughs> I don't think so. Oh no! I don't think so because I think they're trying to shy away from Sparta, Tennessee. Oh no, you did not. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, I think down. you're dead to me now. <laughs> right. I think they're just like, oh, yeah, we set this on the backdrop, but, you know, we didn't do enough research. And there's a few fallacies in our uh, in our stuff about Sparta. And even though we had, you know, some guys who reached out and said, hey, we're from Sparta and we'll help you out. We uh, decided that, we're, you know, we're like Icarus. We're flying too close to the sun. So we're cl- clearly we're not going to get burned and fall into the ocean. Well, if they want to deprive themselves of the sweet, sweet resources of Yanni's Pizza. They can suffer the consequences of that epically foolish decision. I'm sure we'll read all about it in the Sparta Gazette. Yes. One of the few uh, papers I still subscribe to. (laughs) Me too. I think I made the cover a couple of times last year. (laughs) Yeah, man. But I mean, if you go nude down Main Street, does it really count? (laughs) Counts to me. Still real to me, dang it. I mean, the Christmas parade's never going to be the same, Derek. (laughs) Look, dude, I had Christmas shoes on. I don't know. The problem isn't the shoes, although Christmas shoes is terrible. Is that that's all you had on, Derek? Oh, I just I just wanted to make the point that I wanted to buy these shoes for my mama, please. <laughs> it's been a minute since we've recorded because now we're doing skits. Yeah, now we're just in bits. Yeah, this this has nothing to do with horror anymore. It's just trying to make the other one pop. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listeners, glad you could be on this journey with us. <laughs> This is what happens when Jeff and I don't talk, uh, <laughs> when we don't talk for three or four weeks. Yeah. So any other trailers, my man? Are we going out on the uh, the takedown of Happy Death Day to you? No, I think that's it, man. I think that's all I got for Jeff H. Trailers. All right. Well, you want to get started on this week's Um, so it has been a while since I composed the news points I want to talk to you about. It's been a while. Sorry. Just anytime anybody says that, I have to do that. Like the guy from Stained. Um, so yeah. I'm sure he's not going to worry about licensing. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing he's probably <laughs> glad to glad to be mentioned. <laughs> anytime somebody does that, he, his, uh, he gets his wings. <laughs> you mean tattooed on his <laughs> no, I mean, I, no, I mean a case of Red Bull. Mm, gotcha. Well, the happy coincidence between when I put these notes together and us recording last is that there hasn't really been significant news that broke since I did this. Um, so these items of you news, know why, right? Oh, because we weren't recording. Exactly. I mean, they knew. And so I'm assuming that once this hits 
the downloads that um, that we'll see a new influx of information. I, I mean, I know Jason Bloom is blowing up my phone. I don't know if he's doing the same to you. Yeah, he's been tweeting me left and right. Like, Zoo, when you coming back, what's going on? Zoo, you gotta, you guys got to put out a new thing. Zoo, come on now. Zoo, Zoo. And I'm like, bro, calm down. Just give us 10 minutes, man. Yeah, give me 10, 10 minutes, mister. Give me 10 minutes towards the door. Oh, my word. Is that Leonard Skinner? <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to make everybody mad tonight. You're like my personal, uh, no, no, not personal. You're my incarnational version of Spotify <laughs> Premium. It's like Spotify took up human form. That's me. Anyway, there's news I want to talk to you about. Okay, so throw it at me. The Atlantic. Do you do you read the Atlantic often? I don't. So this is one of my quirks. I still subscribe to magazines, and The Atlantic is one of the ones I subscribe to. Okay. And uh, it seems like they have staked their corner in the publishing world out on two subjects, both which I'm very interested in. One, the dangers of technology. Okay. And two, how much exorcism is continuing to take place in our modern world. Okay. So, I mean, this is ostensibly a secular journalism uh, enterprise, you would assume that they would take a, a wary eye towards religious subjects, but they have put out in the last three or four years pretty extensive, uh, I don't know, articles on exorcism and how there might be some credibility to what's happening there. So um, recently, here's the headline, they published American Exorcism. Priests are fielding more requests than ever for help with demonic possession, and a centuries-old practice is finding new footing in the modern world. Uh, you may have seen this on our Facebook group, We Saw Something Scary. I and friend of the show, Tony, kind of hashed this out together. Did did you lay eyes on any of that? Dude, I glanced at it. I honestly haven't had much time to look at anything on there um, lately. Sorry about that, guys. um, I know that there's been a lot of content posted. I just I'm running ragged right now. So, yeah, sure. Well, let me give you the synopsis that I think is uh, the heart of this article. Okay. And as someone who has covered multiple exorcism movies with uh, yours truly, and we've kind of talked over the subject of exorcism, you you give me the answer that, that comes at the end of this excerpt, okay? Okay. So here, here we go with the excerpt. Father Vincent Lampert, the official exorcist for the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. And listen, if there's a hotbed of demonic activity out there, I'm assuming Indianapolis is number one on the list. Yeah, 100%. He told me, the journalist, in early October that he'd received 1,700 phone or email requests for exorcism in 2018, uh, which is by far the most he's ever gotten in one year. Father Gary Thomas, a priest whose training as an exorcist in Rome was documented in the movie The Right. Excuse me. Oh, I say the movie. Uh, this journalist has a has a print bias. Leads off with it the fact that it was a book published in 2009 before being made into a movie in 2011. Uh, Gary Thomas says that he gets at least a dozen requests a week. Several other priests reported that without support from church staff and volunteers, their exorcism ministries would quickly swallow up their entire weekly schedules. Carrying on. Two more paragraphs. The church has been training new exorcists in Chicago, Rome, and Manila. Thomas told me that in 2011... (laughs) You didn't expect Manila to be a demonic hotbed? That's just the weirdest three (laughs) choices. Uh, Unfortunately, it's not uh, Rome, Italy. It's Rome, Georgia. (laughs) So Chicago, Illinois, Rome, Georgia, and Manila. Gives a whole new meaning to the term thriller in Manila. Oh, that yeah, comedy! But, that comedy lid is coming off, Derek. Yeah, I don't get to do it any other time, so this is my only outlet, really. So, in 2011, the U.S. had fewer than 15 known Catholic exorcists. And listen, you really don't want to have off the book exorcists running around. 
<laughs> but he said today there's well over 100. So other exorcists, I, I, I guess these are unnamed exorcists, put the number between 70 and 100. Uh, sidebar, no official statistics exist, and most dioceses concealed the identity of their appointed exorcist to avoid unwanted attention. Makes sense. Here's the question, though. The inescapable question is why, or rather, why now? Why, in our modern age, are so many people turning to the church to help in banishing incorporeal fiends from their bodies? And what does this resurgent interest tell us about the figurative demons tormenting contemporary society? So, Derek, it seems like we're a more secular society in the West, right? Mm-hmm. Why we got more demons? Uh, well, man, I mean, there's a, there's a horror boom here in the United States. So it just makes sense that more demons would like to come out. Okay. So you think they're, they're playing to the market. Yeah. You know, honestly, this may be our fault too. Oh, no. Oh no. <laughs> that's, so, uh, that's terrifying. Uh, uh, <laughs> remind me to forward this to the legal department. Yeah. I'm really sorry, guys. I'm sorry that we brought about all these demons. Yeah. I just I bring it up because we've talked about exorcism and obviously exorcism makes uh, such rich fodder for horror movies. Mm-hmm. Some of the best in the genre. Uh, I, you know, all cards on the table, guys. I know you probably know already you're listening to a crazy person, but I believe in demons. Um, I believe exorcism, at least or exorcisms are a product of demon possessions that have happened at some point in human history. Uh, I really don't know what to think about this data though that if you go on to read more there's some interesting theories um one, one speculation point is that it's precisely because we're becoming more secular that people are kind of double checking whether or not they believe in the supernatural by dabbling in the occult or uh, whatever else you would do to come in contact with demons i thought you know that that may have something to do with it um others see it as a, a, an easier an easier way to grasp the complex subject of mental illness and uh, abuse trauma. I think that's certainly got to be part of the part of the picture. But anyway, it's just an interesting kind of factoid to chew over that the Catholic Church is saying that exorcisms are booming. Yeah, I mean that is really interesting, you know, and that's something that we've talked about before uh, in prior prior episodes of like, why does this feel like it's only a Catholic thing? Why does this feel like it's only um, you know majority? I think I think one of the questions that we asked one time was why does it seem like it's mostly in Europe mm. that that happens and stuff? And so uh, so yeah, I mean if if this is if this is factual and like a lot of this is starting to happen, man, that's that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I agreed. So, listener, if you're interested in this topic, you want to give your two cents, uh, we'd love to hear it. Again, I'd suggest we saw something scary on Facebook. There's already been a pretty lengthy discussion about the piece in there. You can piggyback on that or start your own. But, yeah, I'd love to love to hear your thoughts. I'm sure Derek would as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another article from Mainstream Publishing went by the title of The Horror Genre is as Popular as Ever. This is from the L.A. Times. Just not with awards voters. Can new entries such as Haunting of Hill House and The Terror break through? Which, by the way, have we talked about The Terror? No, sir, we have not. All right, so that's an AMC um, miniseries. It's about these British icebreaker explorers, right? I can't remember the years, but this is Victorian times. And they're trying to find basically the equivalent of the Northwest Passage. Mm -hmm. They get stuck in the ice, though, and then they run up against... um, 
I don't think the term is Eskimo, but forgive me for not knowing the right one. I, I would use a better term if I knew it. But they basically run up against an Eskimo shaman who sicks a supernatural beast on them. Okay. And, dude, it's really stinking good. Uh, I watched it with my wife. We binge watched it. It's totally worth tracking down. Okay. Uh, looks like it's on Amazon Prime. Oh, baby. It, it's really worth your time, in my humble opinion. Okay. And this has, like, what, Jared Harris... Is that right? Is that the one? Yes, I think that's right. The Terror? The Terror, yeah. Okay. Uh, Interesting. I commend it to your eyeballs. Okay. So two points coming off this L.A. Times piece, one that's just uh, rehashed criticism, and the other which is the most enjoyable form of rehashed praise, okay? So here's an excerpt from uh, the piece. There is no doubt the genre is as popular as it's ever been on the small screen. Still, despite the genre's timeliness and popularity, it's got merely a ghost of a chance when it comes to winning awards. So my first point on this, Derek, the way horror is received by movie critics is hot garbage. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's more of an indictment on highbrow criticism than it is the merits of the genre. I don't think we're plowing new ground on that. I just want it resubmitted to the record. Right. But more positively, point B, yet again, Mike Flanagan is the man. So they have enough sense to track down Mike Flanagan and ask his take. And listen to how refreshing this is, Derek. Flanagan says, people throw the term elevated horror around quite a lot, but that itself implies that the genre exists on a lower plane than the rest of our filmed entertainment and needs to be quote unquote lifted into something resembling quality. That's Mm -hmm. just not the case. I never read a review talking about some new film elevating the comedy genre. I never hear about elevated westerns. There's a spectrum of quality in every genre, and I don't know why people act so surprised when horror is good. Ooh. Dude, just standing ovation to that guy. Just Yeah. I'm just so thankful for Mike Flanagan. Um I think, actually, if you've listened to this podcast, you've heard me say similar things where I'm like, yeah, there's comedies that are terrible and there's other genres that are terrible. Flanagan just said it much more eloquently. I feel like that Mike listens to the show because he still wants to be a part of it someday and probably heard you say that and then said, oh, Jeff, that's really good. I'm going to use that in an interview. He just styled it better. Yeah. 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 Just threw threw a little Flanagan dust on it and made it, you know. Palatable. Yeah. Okay. Well, if we're writing fan fiction, I'm I'm totally gonna <laughs> sign on to that. Uh, I, I'm on board. I, I think this I think this entire episode's been fan fiction. <laughs> Did you not hear me talk about a hedge of protection for the demons? Uh, no, I don't think that. <laughs> I don't think I heard that. <laughs> Somehow I missed that. Uh, we'll sign up for Patreon and you'll get the entire <laughs> unedited. unedited episode. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever do you mean, Derek Zoo? <laughs> Only $39 a month. <laughs> we'll send you an enamel pin and, uh, and an unsigned birthday card. So. Uh, can we can we give those who want to go for a full 40 a vial of your sweat when you perform on stage? Good night, man. Yeah, all you got to do is just come to the show. You can get that. Bring your own vial. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, I had an old lady come up to me tonight and she said, you couldn't be more energetic out there. <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry, Ethel. Didn't mean to ruin your evening. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm pretty sure she comes to talk to me after my sermons, too. <laughs> come to find out she's part of the Cree clan. So I headbutted her and we had an epic fight. It's pretty awesome. Wait, Derek, are you expecting us to believe that there was an old person that you encountered in Branson, Missouri? <laughs> It's the first one, first documented old person. We all know that it's basically South Beach and Miami and Branson, <laughs> Missouri. That's the hotbed of youth culture. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, this was the first uh, old person in Branson tonight. 
What else we got for Horror Reporter, man? Is that, that it? That is going to put a bow on... So, I think it's time that we pull the curtain. Or actually, having seen this movie, I think it's time we unzip the bag for the thousandth <laughs> time on the possession of Hannah Grace. That's really funny. Uh, pull the string. All right, man. So, uh, where do you want to get started at on this one? We Hold just got up. done talking about exorcism. Before anything. Wahlberg! What? No! Spoiler alert. All right, we're good. I'd like to pretend that it's because we haven't recorded for a hot minute that I forgot about him, but mm-hmm. I forget about him every week. Yeah, that's okay. That's, that's why I'm here. Yeah, thank you. We love you, Marky Mark, when, you're, we, uh, when we remember you. <laughs> you're here for the uh, the amazing conversation and hard-hitting uh, questions and stuff. I'm here for stupid puns and to call in Wahlberg. That's about it. Well, good to know we each have our role, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, man. So I don't know where to start on this one. Um, I, if, if you're a, if you're a Facebook fan of ours, uh, if you're in the Facebook group, we saw something scary, you know, that I, I tried to keep a running commentary on this movie, but 10 minutes into it, I basically just said, there's no commentary needed. This movie sucks. Okay. I think we found our starting place then. So let's set up a spectrum. You, on a scale of one to ten, would rate this movie what? Three and a half. Okay. And is there a movie that immediately leaps out to your mind that you say, I think this was basically the same experience as? Yeah. uh, Autopsy Jane Doe. But we would say that Autopsy of Jane Doe was a superior film. Oh, much better. Much better. Yeah. I guess what I'm looking for, I want to talk about the Autopsy of Jane Doe connection a little bit more later, but like, what's another three or three and a half scale movie in your mind. Can, does one leap to your mind? Not particularly. I was wanting to say Bye Bye Man, but I think that's lower. Yeah, I don't think it would we, be for me. Yeah, I don't think we put the Bye Bye Man into three. Um, nothing really jumps out to me as a three at the moment. Is there, is there something that you're trying to mine out of me here? Well, I am higher on this movie than you are, but it's my, you know, the other end of the spectrum is going to be a phrase that you first coined, which is perfectly acceptable horror. Okay. So I think for me... <laughs> that should be a t-shirt, by the way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Speaking of Patreon. Yeah. Um, I think for me, the trailer hyped me up a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah. And what I saw let me down. And if we had pressed record on this, like... 45 minutes after I watched it, I would probably be lower in your evaluation. Okay. But since then, I've watched a few more horror movies and I realized like, eh, this is better than, this is better than maybe 45% of what comes across my, my screen when I'm watching horror movies. Now I watch Mm. much more than the average bear, Mm -hmm. but this one was at least cared for, I think, by someone who wasn't completely cynical about the genre. (sighs) Okay. So the horror uncle... Uh, who who believes the best about all these things we watch? I think I'm a little higher on this than yours. So it, so basically, listener, what what we're saying is your ceiling is yeah that was okay. Okay, so then then what would be the number grade you would give it, Jeff? I would give this four or four and a half. Okay, that's fair. It's it's just at that cusp of like I'm really in the mood to watch a horror movie, and that one didn't just ruin my night. Okay. Um, I watched while we weren't recording. I watched a movie that we've talked about before called He's Out There mm-hmm. with Yvonne Strahovski or whatever. Yeah. And I would liken it to this movie. Um, I think you're right in saying this movie is aping 
the autopsy of Jane Doe and doing a worse mm-hmm. job of it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's out there is aping the strangers and maybe hush and doing a worse job of it. Okay. But I didn't come away being like, well, that was a complete waste of 90 minutes. I'm never going to watch it again, mm-hmm. but it kind of scratched the itch while I was working on paperwork. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I don't know what our listeners reaction to this movie is, but I guess for us, we're, we're just saying we're operating between this was not a good movie and this was passable. And that's really okay. the the spectrum we can offer a commentary within. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's fair. Um, so you you dislike the movie considerably. What what was the worst part of the viewing experience for you? Um, I felt like that there were a lot of plot holes in the movie. Um, I felt like that there was there's a lot of insulting your intelligence. Okay, okay. So I'm with you on that. Do you want to identify a few of those to get us started? Sure. Um, I didn't like the fact that no one locked doors in this hospital. Um, how can homeboy bang on the door one minute and then just casually slip in unawares the next? Um, why did the lady run up the stairs instead of trying to flee? Um, why Why is this cop taking a night shift at a morgue? Like, uh, it just it, all of it seemed really far fetched, and and I realize, I mean, obviously we're dealing with a possession movie, we're doing a horror movie. This is, you know, this isn't vice, right? Like, it's not yeah. going to be. Um, I mean, it's all sensationalized and stylized, but it, it just, I felt dumber watching this movie. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I don't have much to to disagree with you about there. Um, the the two biggest plot holes for me, and I really feel like. In, in some ways, I'm hostile to this movie on this specific front. Oh, oh, one, one more sure. um, that, ju- that jumped out at me. Uh, her inconsistent, Hannah Grace's inconsistency with her telekinesis. Oh, dude, that's that is number one for me. Absolutely yeah. right. That's exactly where I was going. So I am willing to grant a lot of favor to horror movies. I'm yeah. willing to put up with a lot of like supernatural stuff and unbelievable elements. Like I, I'm happy to suspend my disbelief. Mm-hmm. But when you don't play by the rules you've already established, and like you just said, her power fluctuates wildly, it is so hard for me to to like what you're doing on the screen. And it would be one thing, I actually think this would be simple. This this possessed girl, you know, can, can throw priests up against the wall and heal a, a body that's been torn apart. You know, all these wild powers. Right. If we just had an inkling that the demon was was enjoying tormenting uh, Shay Mitchell's character, mm-hmm. which is easy to set up, you know, like in the in the meantime, just have her dad mention that uh, this demon not only destroys people but it's sadistic and it it there's certain victims it latches onto who it toys with, like a mouse playing, excuse me, a, a cat playing with a mouse. You you could do that in three lines of dialogue. Sure. And help me understand why this thing that can throw people onto walls doesn't just grab Shay Mitchell's character invisibly and drag her into the bathroom. Yeah. Well, I mean, and and not just that, but also, I mean, it goes to the beginning of the movie, right? They're in that barn or whatever. They're doing the exorcism. Um, she is I, – I, what, she impales this priest – 
on some sticks or whatever. And then her dad goes to basically suffocate her. Well, how is she not able to like throw him off of her? Yes, exactly. Why is it a struggle? Yeah. I mean, if you, you know, if you're going to professor X this dude into a pile of wood and kill him, then how are you, why are you struggling with your dad to, or with Hannah's dad to, you know, to not be able to, to take him away? Uh, the most egregious one, in my opinion, was at the very end when she's got um, her ex-boyfriend up and she finally makes the decision to take the shot. Right. Like that's mm-hmm. the big reason why she's she's, tr- you know, she's in trauma and stuff is she she couldn't take the shot to begin with. But now she can. How can you not just b- deflect those bullets or how can you not turn the gun on herself or, or have her turn the gun on her on her husband or boyfriend or whatever? Right. Like why even waste the time? having him air crucified. Yeah. Snap his neck. I mean, she snatched up Carrot Top and threw him into the body locker and and we hear his neck get broken. Right. What is it about boyfriend cop who, like, am I supposed to believe that he was so physically strong the demon couldn't, it took the demon that long to, like, get him properly in the cruciform position? Yeah. And 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 like you said, yeah, snatch the gun out of her hand, uh, move the bullets wherever. It's just it's just inconsistent with its own logic. And I hate that. Yeah, it's infuriating. Right. Uh, I mean, it's it's basically, oh, well, she's powerful when we need her to be powerful and she's vulnerable when we need her to be vulnerable. Yeah. And so let me ask you this. There's there's one other plot point that I thought was just outlandish. But um, are we supposed to assume that the reason she didn't, the demon didn't go, you know, full frontal assault on Shay Mitchell's character, uh, that she, because the demon was grooming her as a new host? Yeah, I mean, if, if you look at the, you know, if you look at the last frame of the movie, um, she has a tint of blue in her eye. And she swipes that fly that we've seen is so prevalent when the body or when the demon you know, is in its host. So I'm, I'm assuming that that's what they're trying to, to leave you, you know, with this ambiguous ending of, ooh, is she in, you know, is she in Shay Mitchell's character now? And honestly, I, I couldn't care less. Yeah. Well, I'm actually I'm glad you said that because I didn't catch the the blue tint to the eye. Mm-hmm. And that left me more frustrated because what I was noticing was her standing in front of the mirror with uh, Shay Mitchell's character standing in front of the mirror with her hair covering one side of her face. Mm-hmm. And I was frustrated with the movie makers saying, look, man, if you're doing this now, she's the host for the demon. You need to give us that clear blue eye reveal. Yeah. So you're saying they did that. There's a hint of it. I believe in her right eye before her hair falls down okay. in front of her face. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I know that it was there um, because I've even like I've even read articles where, you know, they've they've talked about it. Okay. Um, well, that is hackneyed and predictable, but at least it's more it's more straightforward than just sure. leaving it cowardly in cowardly fashion, leaving it unaddressed. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the other thing that drove me crazy is that Shay Mitchell's character is an addict and mm-hmm. she's working with her sponsor. And when her sponsor comes down to like look at the footage with her and sees that uh, Shay has stolen some, you know, some pills and is keeping them on her. Uh, they, you know, they have the confrontation and Shay tries to give the pills to her sponsor and the sponsor says, no, I'll trust you or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. And 
I think this is common knowledge. I don't think I'm drawing on unique experience here, but as somebody who's worked with addicts in multiple different kinds of programs, so like faith-based or, uh, you know, AA has reference to a higher power, but it's, you know, it's used by lots of groups that aren't exactly evangelical churches, right? Right. No sponsor is leaving the addictive materials in the possession of the addict they're caring for. Right. I just thought if you were going to make a movie about addiction, how do you, how do you leave, how do you have the sponsor leaving the alcoholic with a fifth of whiskey? Right. And those two things that, that the demon in Hannah could move mountains one moment and, uh, barely muster up the energy to like pop its shoulder out of joint another mm. and a sponsor who's like, no, 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 keep the substances that have almost destroyed you. And then I'm specifically in your life to help you uh, resist the temptation of you just hold on to those because I trust you. Right. Uh, it, it's lazy. It's just lazy. Yeah, it absolutely is. I, you know, there's there's nobody. Well, I mean, you said it right. There's nobody who is going to try to help somebody kick an addiction that's going to enable them to have the thing that they're addicted to and then be like, oh, I'm going to trust you with that. Yeah. uh, Shay Mitchell's character says to her sponsor, these things are comforting to me. Yeah. And even, even in some ludicrous scenario where the sponsor's not inflamed with concern that the, uh, you know, the, the the person they're caring for is going to start using again. It's precisely the problem that these things comfort the person. Right. And they've got to build new uh, patterns of thought and behavior to replace. I, it just, again, maybe I'm overblowing it, but just having seen what addiction does to people and how good-hearted, uh, servant-hearted people will give themselves to to care for others. I just thought this is the worst misrepresentation you could have done. Like I'm more insulted for sponsors than I am for like demons. Yeah. So anyway, um, I guess that's me flogging this movie. Uh, positives. Was there anything you came away from? Like, you're like, okay, that was pretty cool. No. Okay. Well, I guess that, that burden falls to me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, please give me something good. Well, um, what is the blonde's name who plays the body of Hannah Grace? Kirby Johnson. So Kirby Johnson is a contortionist. Am I right? She's some kind of dancer that specializes in contortion. Yeah, pretty sure. I thought that was a pretty cool thing to add into a possession horror movie. Now, I'm going to qualify that. The constant sound of her bones cracking and her shoulder being out of place and all that. You know, if you sprinkle that stuff in, it's really uh, an enhancement to the flavor. Mm -hmm. When you screw the lid off and dump it in entirely, it it becomes tiresome. Mm -hmm. But the first six times I kind of saw her doing the weird crawl and stuff like that as a contortionist. Uh, gave it an authenticity that I thought was pretty cool and that I've not seen in horror movies before. Okay. I thought she, uh, same same young lady, had uh, had a pretty good I'm possessed by the devil face. She was pretty scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not talking about when, like, they distend her jaw. I'm talking about when she's just, like, it's just her face and she's trying to grimace. I thought, yeah, she's kind of scary. Yeah. Um, I did think some of the jump scares were fairly effective. Okay. And I say some. I, I precisely mean... That when Shay Mitchell's character is on the toilet <laughs> and the ball comes rolling towards her and then you see the hand snatch the ball. Mm-hmm. I actually got a little goose bumpy there because I just realized I, I basically never feel more vulnerable than when I'm using the toilet in a public place, but there's nobody else around. Sure. You know, that, that, that you feel pretty exposed in that situation. Sure. So I thought, you know what, that's a pretty good use of, uh, of environment. Um, trying to trying to think of anything else that that I thought really worked there. 
Uh, let me ask you this. How quickly did you realize that the guy trying to get into the hospital was Hannah's dad? Oh, automatically. Yeah. The first time you saw him? Yeah. I mean, it was one of the things I wrote on uh, on the commentary is I said, oh, homeboy is definitely Hannah Grace's dad. <laughs> and Tony, who had already seen it, immediately liked it. And that's when I was like, yeah, I know. There was no point where you were thinking that this was a uh, Green Arrow cameo from the DC Universe? <laughs> no. In, in my head, this movie is improved by believing that that guy is older Oliver Queen. <laughs> And that his daughter is possessed by like Trigon, dude. That's a hundred percent accurate. If that if that's headcanon for you, then yeah, you've made this you've made this movie at least a six or seven. <laughs> okay, good. We're just going to agree on that one then. Um, was there any point that you thought something scary was taking place or that you were anxious? No, sir. No. Uh, and I was in the theater by myself watching that movie. <laughs> Do you think they paid the sound guy uh, on the basis of how many times he could get bone crunching sounds in there? Yeah, 100 percent. I think if I think he got a bonus if he could get at least 75 percent of the movie sounding like bones. Yeah, yeah, that that's very credible considering how how often they went to that well. Also, was she was the actress paid by how many times she goes to the tray and unzips the, the body bag? Uh, you know what? I think so. There's probably a bonus on there as well for that. I, at some point, I was like, can we just leave her unzipped? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like as the guy who said that this thing kind of borders on perfectly acceptable horror, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time being critical. This movie <laughs> has a lot of flaws. It's really yeah. got some bad flaws. Yeah, I, I think the, the biggest thing for me about this movie, Jeff, is I was so excited after the trailer. Yeah, me too. And, um, you know, we have talked about in length, uh, we've talked about the possession of Hannah Grace and how that movie kind of took us both by surprise and how good it was. Wait, wait, wait. And, you said the possession of Hannah Grace took us by Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The autopsy of Jane Doe. Excuse yes, me. Thank okay. you. Thank you for clarifying. Um, and, like... Okay, where was I going on that? Um, yeah, it just kind of it took us by surprise at how good the autopsy Jane Doe uh, turned out to be. And you know, I was I was texting you during the movie because I was so bored. And I think I said something to the effect of it looked like somebody from one of the major studios. I forget who did this. I think Sony, um, but it looks like one of the from the major studios Ray Overdahl's um, autopsy Jane Doe and said, "Let's make a crappier version of this that we know will make some money." All right, can I give you my specific theory on how that happened? I'm, I'm with you. Some yes. movie exec said, oh, we can make the autopsy of Jane Doe, but let's put a, you know, a, a, a beautiful protagonist in and, and that'll that'll gussy it up for us. Yeah. So there's this theory out there that as Halloween basically gave birth to the modern slasher, that the clones that came after Halloween were all sort of like multiplicity. You know, they're making copies of copies and they lower the quality. Mm-hmm. So specifically, you know, somebody watches John Carpenter do Halloween and they think, oh, I know what makes this movie work. It's teenage girls with their boobs hanging out and sharp knives, masks and buckets of blood. And they go and make Friday the 13th. Mm -hmm. So they missed what made it compelling. And they went for the form over the substance. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I think that's exactly what happened here. Somebody saw this and said, oh, we need a possessed dead person. We need the isolation of a morgue and we need it to be at night. And they completely missed what made the autopsy of Jane Doe work. I don't think they set out and said, let's make a crappier version. I think they thought they were getting at the heart of what made an autopsy of Jane Doe 
a good movie, and they they just completely missed it. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. In some ways, this is a sequel to Autopsy of Jane Doe, I was thinking, because she she uh, regenerates. She's like Wolverine. And and if you take the Jane Doe character and assume that, like, what wherever that morgue trip was that she was heading off to at the end of Jane Doe, uh, she ends up showing back up at Boston General or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, this is this is such a good example of like some movie exec just completely missing what made the original special. Yeah. So uh, could could a, could a teenage could a teenager take his significant others to the movie theater hoping to get some extra cuddles out of this movie? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, it, it'll work for that. Dark and stormy night at home and you're wanting to stream something to to give you the creeps could could maybe work for you in that way too if you're not a hardened veteran of the horror genre you know sure sure um anything else positive to say about this movie uh, i mean i thought the shane mitchell did a, a decent job for what she was given yeah yeah uh but but i also feel like that there's really you know and, and again this is one of my biggest harps uh on this on this podcast is is i really didn't feel like there was anyone that you could root for in this like even her um, I didn't feel connected to her character, or even like I didn't even feel a reason to care about what was going on in her life. Um, maybe that's just me being cynical, but I was just I was checked out and done and very frustrated uh, with the movie. And so so if she is possessed by uh, the spirit that was in Hannah Grace, I couldn't care less. <laughs> you just enjoy that Hannah Grace's demon. Yeah. Yeah, I tell you the the one the one element that I did like start to root for her on was when she called her cop boyfriend and confessed she'd stolen the pills from him. Mm-hmm. Up until that point, she was kind of a cipher for me. I just didn't see much one way or the other in her. Uh, but I guess that raised a flicker of compassion in my stone cold viewer heart. Yeah. All right. Well, Jake, I guess I've kind of I've emptied out my bag on on this subject. Anything that you want to raise? I uh, know, man. I think that's about it. Um, we already gave our our uh, grades on this. Uh, do you think we saw something scary on this one, Jeff? So here again, the horror uncle. Yes. Specifically, okay. her sitting on a toilet, having the ball she's been playing with rolled to her, and watching it get snatched away. That was the yeah. one moment where I thought, eh, something scary just happened. Yeah. You would say no? Yeah, I would I would say no. Um I I felt like that it was I felt like it was a ninety minute waste of my time. And I'm sorry about that. I feel like I yeah, I feel like I've done you wrong by missing Overlord and then saying, hey, let's go watch this one next. So my apologies, oh, no, my friend. No, it's all good, man. Like, I mean, we were all pretty excited about this one. And so, you know, you have nothing to apologize for. It's it's Sony or whoever put it out. Uh, they have they have something to apologize for, you know. But that's uh, that's what we do this for, man. We, we do this podcast. We fall on our sword so that others don't have to. That's just us. We're big-hearted, uh, you know, loving aficionados who just want to spare people bad experiences and open them up for for good experiences in the horror genre. Thanks, thanks exactly. for reminding me of what we're doing here, Derek. Yeah, man, that's what we're here for. All right, buddy. Well, speaking of where we're at, um, where can they find you on the internets? Yeah, man, uh, hit me up at Derek Zoo on most social media platforms, and um, I will be. Uh, let's see, next Friday, so the fourteenth, I will be unveiling all the tour dates I'll be doing in January for stand-up comedy. Sweet. And uh, yeah, so hopefully. 
you can you guys can come see me for that. Um, and uh, probably here in the next couple of weeks, I'll have some book news because I know the book's been on delay for a while. So we should be able to have some book news for you guys as well. Derek Zoo uh, at Derek Zoo and DerekZoo.com. Jeff, where can they find you? At Right Jeff on most social media platforms and would love to connect with you. Love to hear your thoughts. I mentioned earlier your thoughts on the rise of exorcism reported by the Catholic Church, what you thought about the possession of Hannah Grace or any other such subject. Uh, best place to do that. We saw something scary on Facebook. Uh, I think Derek and I agree that this is the one good reason remaining to be using Facebook. Here, here. And some of the most interesting conversations I get into uh, on social media throughout my week are in that Facebook group. We appreciate all of you who've joined in already, and we hope uh, that scores more of you will, because for whatever reason, uh, the people who end up in that Facebook group, I find very thoughtful and interesting, and I just really value the conversation. Yeah, 100%, man. Um, it's, it is my favorite part of being on social media, on all social media, is that we saw some of the scary Facebook groups. So so join up, man, and uh, be part of the be part of the cult. Yeah. Uh, any idea what we're going to watch next, Derek? Oh, buddy, I have no idea. I was trying to think of something seasonal, you know, since we're in the Christmas time, um, something for us to watch. I have no idea because, you know, Big Al and I did Santa's Slay last year, and that was um, horrible. Talking about and, falling on your sword for somebody. Thank you, guys. Holy smokes, yeah. And then you and I did Krampus. Yeah. First time I ever saw Krampus was yeah. as a result of this podcast. Um, so I'm not real sure. Christmas with the Cranks, maybe? I know that's pretty terrifying. <laughs> Have you ever seen Silent Night, Deadly Night? Uh, I want to say yes, but it's been a long time. It's like an 80s slasher. I don't know, yeah. guys. Those of you who are listening, A, do you want to hear us review Silent Night, Deadly Night to, to connect with the Christmas season? Or B... Do you have some other one to nominate? Is there some other kind of Christmas-themed, holiday-themed horror movie that that you want to suggest to us? Um, we watched that Black Christmas movie, right? Isn't that what it was yeah, called? Yeah, we did. Um, that wasn't seasonal, though, I don't think. So anyway, guys, if you got a suggestion, we'd love to hear it. It was seasonally terrible. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Yet another one where I think my horror uncle... Uh, persona came out. That's the truth. That was on that one. I was ready to call it quits on this podcast. And you were like, <laughs> now, hold on. The boys got some promise. You got to consider the historical context. <laughs> I was like, nope. F this genre. I'm done. Well, I mean, I just needed Margot Kidder to die. And if, if that could be met, then I was happy with that one. Oh, man. We all needed that. All right. I'm off the rails again. Derek, um, we'll we'll figure something out. Maybe Maybe one of our brilliant listeners will give us a better movie to watch, but we'll pencil in Silent Night, Deadly Night. Okay. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, uh, for right now, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Um, if you guys have anything better than that, throw us, uh, throw it at us. Sauce of the scary at gmail.com or the We Saw Something Scary Facebook group or on um, Reddit forward slash or forward slash Sauce of the Scary or Scary Podcast on Twitter. Uh, any of those things are great. And hey, if you haven't uh, already, do me a favor, do Jeff a favor, uh, go on uh, Apple Podcasts and leave us a five star review. Help people see us uh, a little bit easier. We would uh, we would love that. We've we've got several reviews so far, but we definitely love more uh, on that. So. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, absolutely. You want to take us on out, Mr. Zoo? Yeah, man. Hey, look, uh, good to be back in the saddle with you guys. We'll see you guys next week. For Jeff Wright, this is Derek Zoo reminding you to stay away from clowns and sewers, white people with uh, teacups, and blind men with turkey basters. See you guys next week. Bye-bye, man.